Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, Stephen Kotler. So let's talk about the third ingredient of creativity. We've touched on motivation, on learning. What is the role of creativity in realizing the impossible? Well, I said said at the beginning when I first introduced, this is how you steer. And when we talk about creativity, motivation, learning, when we talk about motivation, we're talking about intrinsic motivation, extrinsic motivation. We're also talking about grit and goal setting. We didn't go into those things, but those are motivation is a catch-all. What a psychologist is motivation, they mean a bunch of stuff, right? When you say creativity, there's a ton of stuff that also goes into creativity. We could go in any different direction and I'll, and I'll let you steer in a second. But the one thing I want to start with is I don't think people realize if you're not, if you think you're not creative, right? If you're not working in one of those fields that people are running around going, oh, I'm not creative, I'm not creative, I'm not creative. And I like, just bullshit. Like creativity comes, it's the ability to link ideas together in novel ways, right? Now, linking ideas together, that's pattern recognition. That's what our brains do automatically. It's what neurons do at every level. We are giant pattern recognition machines. So literally saying, oh, I'm not creative. I'm not wired for that. That's not me. You would have to not have a brain. Like literally not have a brain, then then we then you can make an argument that okay, absolutely. You, you maybe you're not creative. You're also not alive, but like and now we're in a zombie movie, that's cool, it's a different thing. Right? My point is we are all hardwired for this. It's a set of skills. What's interesting about creativity, it's not even that much of a set of skill. It's a way of like tuning your consciousness. I'll give you give me be concrete for people. So one of the reasons for example, if you're in college and you don't want to, if you procrastinate doing your paper on the night before, if you could avoid it, I understand the time correction. But if you're trying to do creative work, here's why you don't want to do this. When we are trying to be creative, creativity is a recombinatory process. Fancy word of saying that what happens when we blend shit together. Creativity is what happens when our senses 
usually gather new information, novel information in the world, combine it with older ideas and use the results to produce something startling new. It's that recombinatory process. So there's a part of your brain called the anterior cingulate cortex, fancy word. We'll call it the ACC, which is what we call it for short. It does a lot of different things, but one of the things it does is it helps us find links between ideas. And the more fear in your system, the more logical and linear the ACC is designed to be. So when we all know this, we have, we, we've seen this in our own lives. Fight or flight is the extreme example. You get really scared. Your brain goes, oh, shit, pressure situation. We can't give you lots of choices. You can't handle it. We're going to reduce your choices. You can fight or you can flee or sometimes you can freeze and get stuck in the middle and not be able to do either, right? But those are the only options available to you. That's same thing happens with any amount of anxiety. We don't feel it. We don't notice it. But any amount of anxiety will cause the ACC to be logical and linear. If you have time luxury, this is why you don't want to put it off to the night before. If you have time luxury, your brain can go, oh, no pressure? Cool. We can make far-flung connections between ideas. Your brain will be more creative naturally. You don't have to work so hard. So that's what I mean when I say like creativity is sort of a skill, but it's sort of a state of consciousness. It's a way of understanding, hey, this is how my brain does creativity. So all I have to do is create these kind of baseline conditions. Everything else gets taken care of for you. People think creativity is this thing you have to do. No, it's sort of like you have to do the things around it. And I'm not saying it's not work, right? But the actual thing you're looking for, that creativity, it emerges. So can I pick up on that? Because maybe the antithesis of creativity, you mentioned the amygdala, is fear, right? And what a great motivator fear can be. And I know that in your book, you talk about how to use it as a positive and not a negative. And personally, I love the quote, whether in fact he said it, I don't know. I'm just going to attribute it to Joseph Campbell. And that is... The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And so if you can overcome your fear, if you can push through it, the way that elite athletes, you mentioned Laird Hamilton, the surfer, if you can push through that fear, you can achieve great things. I don't know if you're going to disagree with that. I don't know about great things. That's an interesting term. But I will say that everything you want in your life is probably on the other side of the stuff that scares you most. And what people don't realize, and I think what's really wonderful about fear is, and I do talk about this in the book, it's sort of a guiding light. When I don't know which way to go, I ask myself, well, what scares me the most? Okay, cool. Let's go in that direction. That's what you end up getting with peak performers a lot because fear is such, it's a good motivator. And what do you get for free with fear? Focus. I'm scared of this thing. I can't stop paying attention to it. Okay, cool. Then you don't have to burn 25% of your energy trying to pay attention to it because it's happening automatically because you're scared of it. And certainly in terms of kind of overall well-being and life satisfaction, we tend to find those things directly on the other side the stuff that scares us. And if it's something that scares you that is going to take years to accomplish, even better. Like the high, hard, scary, long challenges. I have said over and over and over again, flow is a huge portion of overall happiness and well-being and life satisfaction. But 
I'm really pretty convinced that life satisfaction is another way of saying I have accomplished a ton of hard things. I don't think it's any, it's literally the confidence. What we think that life satisfaction is like anything. We, we don't realize that it's really a confidence that comes from doing so many difficult things that no matter what life throws at you, you're like, okay, I got this. Bring it on. Like what, what you got next? Cause I've been through so much of it. One of the great advantages, not that there were many, but of spending 11 years writing your first book is, and getting it out into the world is I did it. It was 11 years. So I learned really early on, both from writing that book and at the same time, weightlifting actually taught me this because you have to, I was so skinny and it took me so long to actually put any real muscle on my body, years and years and years of work. And those two things taught me kind of the value of just a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow, a little bit the next day, day after day after day. I say in Art of Possible, I say in a lot of my books, and I've said out loud a lot, peak performance is compound interest. If you go through the art of impossible and you're looking for like the biology, our biology comes down to about six things that you should do every day and seven things you should do every week. That's the sort of the peak performance checklist, but that's not the difficult. The difficulty is you have to do it today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day. It's day after day after day after day after day for months and months and months and years and years. That's when really amazing start to show up. That's harder to understand when you're younger because you probably haven't done that. You, you probably haven't had that experience at all. College for a lot of people is the hardest thing they've ever done. I started it to four years. I finished. That was the or maybe high school was, if, you, if your high school was anything like mine, high school was the hardest thing I had to do. There's sort of like a, a calm and a wisdom that you get a little bit just from sticking with high, hard challenges and, and just, I'm going to do this every day for five years. And I that's how I tend to think about my life these days, which is, I've, I've always done this, is I don't ask myself, like, what would make me feel? But I said, well, what if I knew X five years from now, how would my life be different? And that's how I make decisions. I make decisions in five-year chunks because that's how long it takes to really get great at something. So I asked myself, okay, like if you were really great at this thing, would your life be different in a way that's worth a damn? And if the answer is yes, then what do I care if it takes five years? What, I mean, what am I really going to say? It's going to take an hour a day for five years. Okay. And on the other end of it, I get to be excellent. Cool. Because I get to be excellent for the rest of my life. And what's five years of embarrassment the rest of my life? And that's how I tend to think about it. But it's hard to think that way. I've always sort of been wired a little bit for that. But it's a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around when you're younger because you just haven't had that many years. So everyone feels a little more precious and everything feels a lot longer. And I get that. I sympathize, but it doesn't change the strategy the way I think about it. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T for C. 
And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the Coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org, or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.